Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome in. We are live on the Believe in Monsters podcast. Joe Gaither, Chris Krogman, and Lucas Berry bringing you another edition of Chicago Bears football talk. Obviously, we have just wrapped up Wild Card Weekend. We were not a part of Wild Card Weekend, sad but true. Uh, so we are here to really kick off our offseason on the Believe in Monsters podcast. We appreciate you guys jumping in and joining us tonight. You can find us on the Twitter machine at BIM underscore podcast or find us on Facebook at Believe in Monsters or, or you're, we're right there live on YouTube at Believe in Monsters as well. Find my friends, Chris Krogman at, uh, at Shy Bears 1985 or Lucas Berry at Elberry 19 uh, at Elberry underscore 40. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm Joe Gaither. We're going to have a fun time tonight because Lucas hooked us up with a great guest and uh, it's, it's, it's we're, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about uh, off-season prospects for the Chicago Bears. We've already got a mock draft out from our favorite mock draft analyst, Dane Brugler with The Athletics and we'll talk about some things that he's working with uh, at, at The Athletic. But without further ado, I, I don't want to waste anybody's time, Luke. I, I'll, I'll ask you guys how you're doing later, uh, but I'll, I'll introduce our guest. We're bringing in Stephen Burton from the No Horsen Podcast. Uh, you can find him on the Twitter machine at StephenBurton86 or find their podcast at No Horsen. And uh, we're, we're going to talk to him about the Indianapolis Colts because the Bears and the Colts have a lot of st- uh, interesting ties. Uh, we got into that before, before the show started. Uh, and also, you look at the number one overall draft pick, the number Number four overall draft pick. Could the Bears and the Colts be making a pending deal? So, Luke, tell us, uh, tell us about setting up our guest. And Stephen, thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show tonight. Well, Steven, of course, I'm, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you introduce yourself here, man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I reached out to you. Obviously, we go back to our previous network. Uh, you guys have been killing it over at No, no Horsing. So, I'm going to let you plug all your socials and, and let us uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. So we run the uh, the No Horsing Around podcast. It's a Colts, Indianapolis Colts-centric podcast. Done that through the last two seasons. Um, really been doing it probably for the last two and a half years, uh, dating back a little previously. Um, run it with my co-host, uh, Zach Boyd. And you can find him at Colts Nation 365 You can get me at Stephen Burton 86 And you can get the podcast at No Horsing. Uh, post a ton of stuff we're mainly you know we we do occasionally post audio primarily it's just on youtube now so we do live streams or during the season we do live streams every wednesday we drop episodes basically as frequently kind of as we want to obviously going right now we drop we've been dropping about two a day as candidates have come out for the head coaching kind of give them deep dives short little deep dives about the different candidates uh but yeah, man, definitely was excited. I remember when you guys started your podcast, was excited to come on. L- love going on other shows, talking about the Colts just as much as I love being on mine talking about them. Awesome, Steven. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Uh, always had a good time interacting with you in the past and, and watching you grow over at uh, No Horsing Around. Um, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit. We'll just start with, uh, you know, the Colts head coach search. Uh, what's that kind of looked like for you guys? How's that, you know, impacting the offseason? And uh, who are some of the names 
uh, that that are coming out. And who who do you guys like over at No Horse and Around? Yeah, so uh, very deep is what what we've been able to kind of decipher. Obviously, they had seven requests last week, ranging from you know uh, ranging from Raheem Morris to. Uh, a Giro Aviro from the Broncos to, I mean, we all know Jeff Saturday is going to interview at some point, Bubba Ventrone. I mean, I can go through all the names. There's a lot of them. There was, it had gotten up to 12 recently this week. They requested interviews with Mike Kafka, Wink Martindale, which was kind of a surprise to a lot of us. D'Amico Ryans, which is not a surprise to anybody, but actually just, I think it was just today, just like probably about an hour ago, Ben Johnson dropped out of all head coaching interviews. So he's headed back to Detroit. That was a guy that a lot of people really liked. Uh, Shane Stetchen, Steichen, sorry, from the Eagles. He's another one. And that was a surprise to a lot of people because Sirianni has not been a fan of the Colts and how they handled Frank Reich. So really, really doing a deep dive is what they're kind of going through from who we've talked to kind of through the connections on our show and just in general, what we're seeing is they're taking it very slow. Um, it would not be surprising to see it last another couple of weeks. I think, I think they asked, they asked for a interview. They requested an interview with Dan Quinn today. That seems to probably be rounding out the candidates. It's at 11, which is more than enough mm-hmm. <laughs> as they go through. They've interviewed, I believe seven Saturday has not interviewed yet. And then they have the three new ones. So very extensive where we're watching Ballard really take his time. One of the big regrets he talked about last time was he really very much focused in on Josh McDaniels in the search and kind of got blinders on, right? He didn't really look around and he regrets that because in the final three, before he picked Josh McDaniels passed up on Mike Vrabel. And that's a big, uh, I would say sore spot for him as well as Jim Irsay. Right. So, and then as far as who we like, it's kind of funny. Me and my co-host, we like very different people. Uh, I'm a big Raheem Morris guy. Uh, I think his staff that he could put together would be amazing. He has connections. I mean, he's coached under Dan Quinn, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan. He's coached under Sean McVay. Uh, he's, he's got a record. He coached under Gruden at one point. He, he's worked on offense and defense. So he's, he's my number one going into about an hour ago. Ben Johnson was about everybody else's. Uh, Shane Steichen is a big favorite too, by a lot of people. And mm-hmm. even though we've not interviewed him yet. A lot of people are very interested in Mike Kafka. They want to pair that young upcoming offensive mind with the potential of drafting a young quarterback in the draft coming up. Are you guys uh, are you guys surprised at all that Ballard is still employed with the Colts? I think uh, I think we've kind of bounced it around over here that he's kind of fumbled this whole QB thing a couple of times. Uh, you know, just kind of going to the uh, the local senior citizen uh, center <laughs> to pick up a to pick up a quarterback. So, what's your guys' thoughts on on Ballard? Uh, a lot of people are very surprised. You know, he doesn't have a division title in the time he's been there. He doesn't, it's tough, you know, when, when loss isn't sometimes attributed to the GM, but if you look at it, he has a losing record. Um, the bigger shock is the fact that he kind of got kneecapped this year a little bit by Jim Irsay. 
you know, he didn't make the decision to, to, he wasn't involved in some of the bigger decisions. Obviously he did not. And he's been very vocal uh, as much as he can be. He did not make the decision to bring Jeff Saturday in as the interim. He's, he has said that was Ursay. They had a very spirited discussion and he did not win out is, is his words from his final presser. A lot of people are surprised from what we've been able to gather. The part of it is Jim Ursay trust him explicitly still. He very much trusts him with his decision-making. Um, and in his end-of-the-year presser, he he did what a GM is supposed to do. You know, he did what the guy in charge is supposed to do. And he took all the blame. He started the presser with saying he failed. He failed the organization. He failed the fans. And he, he even openly admitted that the carousel at quarterback over the last four years is probably his biggest mistake. And a close second was his thought that he could plug in, you know, Matt Pryor and um, Danny Pittner on the O-line, the two O-linemen. And just because we had three other previous All-Pros with Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly and obviously Big Q, that they would just come up to speed. And he was, he was obviously, he was very, very wrong. The O-line was not good. So people are surprised. People are watching it very closely because he has come out and said he is running the search, not Ursay. And Ursay will have, obviously, as the owner, he'll have the final say on who they pick. But everything that we've seen kind of of who they're interviewing matches very, and how they're going about it, matches very much the Chris Ballard process. Yeah, so just to go off that, I mean, with his, you know, end of season comments, they asked, you know, reporters asked him if there's a quarterback at the top of the draft, you know, would he give up everything to trade up and get him? And he said, yeah, he would do what it takes. Um, I mean, at this point, do you actually take him at that, that he's at kind of the point in his tenure where he has to get the quarterback and he's got to do that? Or do you think he's kind of just, you know, saying some GM talk there and, and, you know, you don't really take him at face value for that? So he, he has actually said he would be willing to trade up every year he's been here the last few years. So there's there's a little bit of that. Uh, there's a lot with Colts fans. There's a lot of show me. You're, we're going to have to see that it's a difference because he has been a GM that has traded down. He loves, you know, the saying here in Indy is he, he loves them picks. He loves to get picks. But I think, at, you know, they're going to take a quarterback. Everything that we've heard has said that because they, they kind of have to. And a lot of belief from a lot of Colts fans and people who cover the Colts is Ursay's probably mandated that in some way, shape, or form, like you're going to get the quarterback. As far as going to one, I think, and you guys can tell me, I mean, I'm curious to hear what you guys say with this too, is that I actually think if the Colts were to trade up, the Colts and the Bears, I think, is the best option for the Bears, too, because you guys will stay inside that top four to still get the bet, probably the best defensive player still. If you go down too much further behind us, you know, to the Carolinas, to the, to the Lions potentially, which I don't see you guys ever trading with the Lions. Mm-hmm. But if you guys were to drop back out of that top five, I think the talent drop-off is, is much different. Steven, that's actually, you know, that's that's funny you mentioned that. Um, I was, I was, you know, obviously when the Bears were toward the, the end stretch there of the season and, you know, they had three wins and this was a possibility. We were like, oh, you know, if the Texans win, we get the number one pick. I actually looked beyond that and 
I was like, we got to root for the Broncos too to beat the Chargers in that game so the Colts can get in the top four. And people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, one, the Colts need to get ahead of Seattle, who has that Broncos pick, would probably take one of those defenders. Two, it's like the perfect situation for the Colts um, to, to move ahead of the Texans, obviously. Division rival, take the quarterback, and the Bears still go back to four and, and get that defensive player. So I agree with you. I think that is probably the best trade for both parties and will probably work out the, the best for both parties there. Um, in terms of the Colts, maybe not having to give up as mu- as many picks as if they were in the middle of the first round. Um, and then the Bears being able to, to get more picks and also – uh, you know, one of those two top defensive players. So uh, 100%, 100% agreement with you. And it seems like I would say the general consensus is most of Bears, Twitter at least, expects the Colts to make a trade. Um, so that's, it's pretty interesting altogether. But uh, Joe, I'm going to pass it over to you to, to hop on the next question here. Oh, oh yeah, Stephen. And that, and that leads me to to, to my, the next segue. What what do the Colts have to trade with? I mean, you look at what uh, the, the, the Colts offense you, you've obviously, at least Ballard, has obviously felt like the Colts have been a veteran quarterback away from being a, a high-level contender for the last several years, and that hasn't really worked out. So do you, Stephen, feel like the Colts are one quarterback away? And if so, what do you what do you think the Colts are willing to or what do you think the Colts are able to give up to get up to that number one overall pick? So I don't know if they're a quarterback away, but they are – I think they are more talented than a lot of people will let on. I think the interesting part with the Colts is they are talented in positions that don't necessarily relate to the NFL. Now you have a hall of fame, you know, potential hall of famer and Quentin Nelson on the O line. You know, you have that. And then you have great linebackers, you know, Shaq Leonard was out all season basically, but that's another guy. You know, so you, you have, I think there's talent there. I think there's talent still needed, uh, especially if you're going to go with a young quarterback. I I, Listen, I I love Michael Pittman Jr. Alec Pierce looked really good. Paris Campbell's a free agent. Jelani Woods, the big tight end who's 6'7", like 250, 260, something like that. He showed a lot. But if you're going to draft a young quarterback, you guys know this from from what's going on with Justin Fields in Chicago. you got to surround him with more talent. And there's got to be more talent than what the Colts have. So I don't know if they're a quarterback away. But I felt this season, if you had had average quarterback play instead of the below average that we got from Matt Ryan, they probably win a handful more games because it had gotten to the point with him, at least he couldn't move the ball 10 past 10 yards down the field, you know, and when your defense is letting up, you know, know, 19 points a game, you know, 14 points and you're still losing. Oh, we know those. That's an issue, you know. So, (laughs) as far as what they'd be willing to give up, I I saw something that floated. You know, I've I've seen a lot of. There's a lot of picks, obviously. You know, I think, I think they're they're more than willing to give up some picks. I think they're probably willing to give up, you know, some player, a a player potentially, Um, a name that got floated to me that I, I feel confident in saying they wouldn't trade this player is DeForest Buckner. Um, Ballard heaped praise on him. He loves DeForest Buckner. He loves what he's brought to that. Quentin Nelson, somebody else I don't think they would trade. He's got a huge cap hit, too. He's he's making a lot of money now. A name that I always felt that they – a name that I felt that they could float out there, but I don't think it's one they will, is, is Shaq Leonard, and that's less – 
that's more of he's got a lot of unknown medical right now. You know, he's had that he's had that second back surgery. He didn't play. No one really has seen how he's responding right now. So, I mean, I, I look players on the defensive side of the ball. I think a Kenny Moore is somebody they might include because he thrived in the Eberflus defense when he was here. I look to the defensive side sometimes because of you guys having Eberflus, him having a history with some of these players. And some of these players performed better in his system than they did in the new system under Gus Bradley this season. What about a guy like uh, like a Michael Pittman? Would you be willing to? Would you do you think the front office would be willing to give him up? And really, uh, there's been a lot of debate about Michael Pittman uh, on Bears Twitter. How good do you think he really is? You got you got people saying, "Oh, he's a top ten receiver." Oh, he's not a top thirty receiver. Uh, what do you think about Michael Pittman? And would you be willing, or do you think the front office would be willing to give him up? So it's interesting. It, it, I think with Michael Pittman Jr., I think. He right now, he this season, he proved to be a high level two is kind of what I look at. Uh, he doesn't have kind of that breakaway speed. He is a big body physical receiver. Uh, we say we say it all the time on our show. He likes to make combat catches. He, he, he's going to go up and get the ball this year. He really struggled with drops, you know, and he's due a new contract. That's a big thing. You know, how much are you willing? We've seen these receivers now. Their their value just skyrocket in the last year from Tyreek Hill to Christian Kirk, all these guys getting just massive contracts. Yeah, uh, totally. Would they be willing to not do that? Or are they willing to pay him? Um, I like Michael Pittman quite a bit. He needs more around him. I, I wouldn't say he is a, he is not a game breaking wide receiver. And as far because of his speed, you know, he, the issue with Colts this year is if you asked us last year coming off his thousand yard season, people love him. And if you right. asked this year, he made a lot of crucial drops. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily the ball placement. I don't know if that's just kind of checking out, which would be concerning as far as parting with him. I think that they would listen to it. Now I'll say this too on, on the, and you guys know this and a lot of people know this on the idea that the Colts and the bears have already talked about, picks and already talked about getting rid of and sending Michael Pittman Jr. We've kind of, I know on our show and in general, we've kind of debunked that. They don't even have a head coach yet. <laughs> um, so the, I highly doubt they're talking about trading players picks. I think, I think that they are probably having discussions. Uh, I think that's a definite thing as far as who they'll include in it. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, he's a name. He's a name. He's got, he's going into his last year. He's if we were to trade him to you guys, he's going to be looking for a new contract. I would almost liken him a little to the trade you guys made potentially earlier this season, which is Chase Claypool. He's mm -hmm. he may not be as game breaking as he can as he is, but he's a very similar receiver, very big body, loves to go up and get the ball. You know, it's interesting, Stephen. I was I was just thinking like <clears throat> the reason Bears fans want to acquire you know, more talent at the wide receiver spot is kind of something you touched on with just putting more talent in that room, right? And more talent around Pittman for it, for Indianapolis, obviously more talent around fields and, you know, adding to Claypool and Mooney over here. I don't know why, you know, I didn't think about this before, but why, like, why would the Colts take away from a, a young quarterback, you know, say you bring in a, a CJ Stroud or a, or a Bryce Young and you just, 
give him no weapons now. He's pretty much in the Justin Fields realm anyway, where he's got nobody to throw to. But I, I don't know what if if and when players are are going to be discussed, or if that's Pittman or. I think we've heard Kenny Moore thrown out there, uh, Buckner we've heard thrown out there. I wouldn't, you know, talk Buckner personally. I just, I don't think that kind of fits what we're doing here. Um, not that he's not a great player, but he's, you know, on the higher end of his career and, you know, Bears are one of the youngest teams in the league. So, um, you know, kind of looking at what Dane Brugler from The Athletic talked about moving for uh you know the colts to move up to number one uh was to give up number four give up the second round pick 35 and give up a 2024 first uh is that something that you think the colts would entertain do you think that that's a a fair offer do you think it's you know too much too little what it would what's your kind of speculation there so I, I don't hate that when you look at kind of the history of moving up. I mean, essentially, it's two ones. It's a it's a one, a two, and a one next year. So it's two ones and a two. Um, I don't dislike it. I think it's uh, it's kind of funny. I look at it and go, man, part of me thinks you guys might be able to ask for more because of the demand. I think the Texans are going to be probably calling Chicago to keep the Colts from potentially jumping above them. Um. I don't I don't hate that number at all. I think I think it's this year of any year, it is the most likely that he's going to trade up. There's a reason why everyone's saying it. You know, the Colts need a quarterback and they're easily within striking distance. And then, like you guys pointed out, the history that they have with a lot of the people in Chicago. Yeah. Do you think, you know, People move mountains to move up to get quarterbacks in the past. You know, the RJ3 trade was ridiculous. The golf trade was insane. Um, do you think that that Bryce Young or or CJ Stroud is that guy that's worth that kind of capital? And I agree with you. I think uh, if I'm Ryan Poles, I'm pitting the Texans and Colts against each other until I milk it for everything it's worth. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... When you're looking at, is it are they worth? I think that's that's the you know that's the ten million dollar question, right? Like that's 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 the question everyone's trying to figure out. Is I, I will say I don't know. There's there's not, and that's the toughest part this year. There's not an Andrew Luck. There's not a Peyton Manning. There's not a you know a Trevor Lawrence. There's not that surefire number one. You can poke holes in everybody. You can poke holes in Bryce Young because of his size, which a lot of people are. You can poke holes in CJ Stroud with because he's he get he until the Georgia game, he got antsy under pressure. Will Levis, I know you guys didn't mention him. That's another name that that constantly gets brought up for the Colts too. And he did not have a good year. Um that's the question I think everybody has is it's kind of this twofold. Is that one is is there a quarterback you feel that's worth drafting a number one overall and going to get? And then the other part of it is, what is the difference? Uh, you know, I, one of the guys I listened to, I think it was Kevin Bowen, who's on Indianapolis radio, and he said he said something that I thought was great, which was, you need to look at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Levis because those are the three who will be there. And what is the difference between each one, and how big a difference is it? Is it is the drop off between your number one, let's say it's C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, is it big enough? to where you need to give up to go get him. 
And the other question is, are you satisfied that if you hang it for, you're probably going to get the second best quarterback, maybe the third, depending on who trades up above you. Are you okay with that? And then you start looking at the history going, who are these second quarterbacks taken? RG3 was taken after Andrew Luck, right? Ryan Leaf after Peyton Manning. Zach Wilson was the second quarterback taken two years ago. You know, you start looking at like, do you want to, are you content with the scraps or is who you really want could be there at four? Um, as far as who, who I like, who I would say, uh, I, I'm a big fan. So I've been a fan of Will Levis and that's going to sound strange. I'm not a fan of Will Levis at one. If they're going up to one to get Will Levis, I think that's a mistake because I think he'll probably be there at three or he'll be there at four. Um, if you're asking me who I think is probably the consensus, number one is Bryce Young. That tends to be who everyone's talking about. And then the third part of it is if you're asking me what I think Ballard will do, I don't think Ballard's going to touch Bryce Young. And I think it's because of his size. I think he fear, he he has measurables and characteristics he looks for in players. And 195, 59, I think is what he's gonna be. He's gonna probably measure out at 59, maybe 510 at about a buck ninety-five. I don't think Ballard's gonna like his measurables. I love Bryce Young, but I kind of speak out of both sides of my mouth. I, I'm <laughs> I like all three quarterbacks, really. I don't have like this differentiating between all three. All three, I think, can do well. I think the head coaching hire is going to matter a lot on how they develop. So, I mean, it, it's going to be really, it's going to be an interesting three months. Well, what's, I think what's so interesting about this pick is that, like you said, these three top quarterbacks, most people have Bryce Young as the one, but it's not like he's a consensus one. And then each three, each one of the three kind of do their own things well and have different characteristics. Um, that teams might look for in a franchise quarterback, which makes this interesting just because the Bears are at one. There's no consensus first quarterback, but a team could really like any one of those three and fear that another team is going to take them. So they're going to move up for that guy because they specifically like that guy's traits, which are unlike the other two. So that's what's interesting. Or it could also be teams will feel like they can sit there because other teams won't view these guys the same as them. Um, but, Stephen, just to your point of that, that trade package, you know, um, I mean, obviously we talked about some of the players. Some, a, a guy I've really been interested, though, is, is Kenny Moore. I mean, is that a guy you think the Colts would kind of move on from? I kind of feel like he would be maybe a piece that would push a deal over the edge where it's not like the Colts are losing – you know, the Forrest Buckner on the defensive line, like, you know, that kind of player. But Kenny Moore is sneakily a, a pretty good, solid corner, and the Bears are in desperate need of a nickel corner this year. Um, you know, not not seeing much of that position recently. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that before we move on. Yeah, so I think, I think he is, actually. So he, obviously, in the beginning of the year, he tried. He kind of did a little bit of a holdout. He wanted a new contract. He's got a. He's got, I believe, a year left, potentially. Um, they also have no dead cap hit. He's got no more guaranteed money, I believe, after this this past season. And man, he he didn't really seem. He seemed to very much struggle on Gus Bradley's defense this year. He didn't really find his niche. And obviously, he's an. Expl- I mean, we love Kenny Moore. He's an explosive player. He had a Pro Bowl season last season. He really thrived in that nickel corner with with Eberflus. I could see him. I, I could see that. 
Uh, would we be sad to lose him? Yes, because he is a he's a fan favorite. But at the same time, there, there's some different factors. We have kind of felt, me and Zach have felt they're they're probably going to move on from him either way, potentially at the after this season, just because he was he was injured and he didn't really produce this season in the new defense. And everything kind of for us traces back to the head coach, but there's a possibility Gus Bradley's still there. And he's not going to have that niche. He just doesn't have the niche in this system. And, you know, selfishly, as a fan of Kenny Moore and watching him go from undrafted, from Valdosta State, and kind of going and doing what he's done with the Colts, I would love to see him thrive. And I think he would thrive being back up with Eberflus. It's a great fit, too, for the Bears' needs, honestly. I mean, they they drafted Kyler Gordon last year. They moved him from the slot where he struggled to outside, and, and he finally started to show some promise at the end of the year, you know, outside. But uh, the Bears, ever since basically Bryce Callahan left, um, you know, he he had his injuries here in Chicago, but he was great when he was on the field. I mean, yeah. ever since then, they really haven't had a, a consistent nickel cornerback. So in my opinion, I think Kenny Moore is, is kind of a name nobody's talking about, but, you know, the – I think the Colts could basically throw him in as a sweetener and a deal and, and get a deal done because of it. If we see it, maybe a similar package where the Colts could have a first and second this year, a first next year, and Kenny Moore, maybe that's what gets it done if if there's a huge bidding war or something. Um, maybe the Bears throw a mid-round pick or something, but that's definitely a situation I could see happening, maybe more so than than Buckner or Pittman. Um, Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it over to you next. Uh, do you have a follow-up question or anything new to touch on? Well, well, Stephen, you, you you touched on this and really opened up your quarterback segment, saying that you you were a Will Levis fan, and uh, I wonder if the rest of if, if you feel like the rest of the league holds that consensus after his 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 season this past year, because you're right, he did have a struggling season. I I, I don't I, I I don't think that you're going to have to move if if you're a Colts fan and you're wanting uh, Will Levis. I think that that's a guy that you know if Chris Ballard wants to go back to his his method of trading down, I think that that's a guy that will be there almost right on the edge of the top 10 uh, due to uh, his his lackluster season this year. So as far as Will Levis, he is a very – obviously you guys know too. He's a very divisive quarterback, right, like with the way he performed this year. I think – I would say I think that there's a chance – you know, we've heard things that – his size, right? He's comped a lot to Josh Allen, which is the trendy new thing. Like he comped everyone to Mahomes. Now you comp to Josh Allen. And it's really more of his size than anything. He's a big guy with a big arm. Uh, I have said all along, I, I've argued with people kind of all season that I think you have to, you, you have to watch the tape from 2022 this season. You very much do because he struggled. But if you want to see what it looks like when he actually has his full complement of talent, you go back to 2021. So he lost, you know, and part of this is just doing, you know, when we've, we've kind of done a little bit and you hear the Colts sent scouts to, I believe, four of his games. Four of his, I think three for Anthony Richardson. I don't think they scouted Bryce Young because I don't think they ever in their wildest dreams thought they would be this high and actually have a shot at him. Same with CJ Stroud. Although I think they secretly scouted him because Ballard is a big 10 guy. But as far as Levis goes, you know, when you, when you really start digging, he lost the majority of his own line. He lost two of his playmakers on the outside. He also lost his offensive coordinator to the LA Rams. He was, and then 
He had turf toe. He broke a finger this year. He was very limited in his mobility. If you want to see what he can do, I think a lot of people are going to look at that. They're going to look back at that 2021 season and see how he performed when he had that full complement, when he was fully healthy and really and was mobile and they worked that. Um, I differ a little. I don't see Will Levis. I, I, I think so. He ranges anywhere from one to three, I think. He ranges anywhere from, I think that there's a quarterback. There's the Texans like big bodied guys. I wouldn't be shocked if the Texans and Nick Cesario decided they're going to take him one. I I don't know. It's I, when you look at him and you look at what he's going to do, just like any other quarterback, he is going to look amazing on his pro day and amazing at the combine because of his arm and his attributes and people fall in love with that and they move up. I will say I would be shocked if he dropped out of the top 10. Yeah. Um, I see he's similar to somebody that if he were to keep dropping, if he got past the Colts at four and he gets to that five, someone's someone's probably moving up because quarterback's so valued. He he's divisive because of how he played this season. I actually, I like him. I get kind of also Carson Wentz vibes. A little bit from him of he likes to play hero ball he doesn't necessarily he tries to force things sometimes because of his arm but obviously he's much younger he's actually older than a lot of the quarterbacks coming out this year i think he's 23 and so like shroud is i think 21 and young is i think 21 somewhere around there so he's a little on the older side uh but man i'll tell you what it's very you you post something good about will levis on twitter look out man duck and cover because there are people who don't like him. There are people that, and there are people who don't like him for some of the stupidest reasons. Not like him because he put mayonnaise in his coffee. That's disgusting. You know, it, oh, it very much is. I've seen the video. And you they don't like him because he eats he, a banana with the peel. They don't like right, him because he went to Kentucky. You should drop. There's, there's a lot of that's. Y'all know per firsthand. There's a lot of people who don't like C.J. Stroud simply due to the fact he went to Ohio State because they don't think Ohio State quarterbacks pan out. Some of those takes that you see when it comes to quarterbacks are insane. Stephen, just real quick before uh, – I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, is, is Chris Ballard really the type of guy to to get find himself in some sort of a trading war with, with – a bidding war with Houston? Or is he going to be disciplined and say, you know what, there's a line here? So Ballard, Ballard has always said, like, when it comes to free agency, I think it applies to the draft too. He will not pay B players A money, right? He's not going to bid against himself is the thing. I think he will have a limit on what he's willing to give up. And that'll, that'll be it. Unless you have Ursay come in. I think the one instance outside of this crazy year that we had this year of him stepping in was T Y Hilton last two years ago, he was getting ready to leave. Ursay stepped in and said, here's some sweetener. And they bumped his contract total up and they, they went and they got him. But Ballard's very disciplined. He, you know, he's, and he's smart. Like, I know people are going to say he's, you know, because of what happened, he gets a very bad knock sometimes. He's a smart GM, man. I mean, God, I mean, I'd laugh. He got the commanders to give two picks for Carson Wentz when everyone knew they were going to cut Carson Wentz, right? Like, he was, he was leaving. So everyone knew that was going to happen, and he still got them to do it. <laughs> so, I mean, I think he's going to be disciplined. The big factor in the whole thing is, is Ursay? What is is Ursay going to come in there and say? 
No, you're going to go ahead and do it. And history has shown that he won't. You know, I know we like to look this year and he gets the, the track record of being a meddlesome owner. He's, he's, this year was interesting. This year was, I would say this year was an outlier. You know, he gave Chuck Pagano five years. He gave, my kids are coming, my kid and my wife are coming in through the background, but he gave Chuck Pagano, I think, five years. He gave, he gave Reich five years and Ballard, I think, six years. He's going into year seven. He's given him as much time as he, he needs. Uh, so it would be surprising if he did it only because, like I said, track record shows otherwise than what people want to believe this year. Right. You know, Ursay has given leeway to a lot of people. So, I mean, it, it, if I were a betting man, I think he's going to, he's going to put his best foot forward, but he's going to stay disciplined. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Steven, I, I, I think it's like you said, the next three months are going to be uh, definitely something to keep our eyes on. Uh, we started out, you know, this this kind of interview or, or collaboration with how many, um, you know, uh, ties the Bears and Colts have. And uh, one of the biggest ones is, is Matt Everflus and Alan Williams. I'm not sure how big of a fan you were of both of those gentlemen or if you've watched kind of what they've done in Chicago. Um, my curiosity is, you know, kind of around like, what are your thoughts on Eberflus's first year as a head coach and, and, and Alan Williams as a DC? Uh, do you guys miss Eberflus up there? What's your, uh, what's your kind of take on what we got in Matt Eberflus? So I, I think Eberflus is a, is a talented coach. I think if you ask Colts fans, you're going to get one of two answers. You know, there was a lot of people who wanted him gone after last season. After the 2021 season, he runs a very much bend but don't break defense. You guys have seen that. He runs, he emphasizes turnovers, get as many turnovers. He doesn't do a lot of pressure. Uh, Very well respected. I mean, I think a lot of people will forget he was not hired by Frank Reich. Frank Reich okayed it, but he was hired by Josh McDaniels prior to Josh McDaniels backing out of the job. So he stayed in Indy kind of in spite of the person who he went there to be with not being there. So he's a stand-up guy uh, with Alan Williams. I think that's one that, that we were, we were sad to see go. Cause if you want to keep in house, that was someone that you could have kept. Uh, and then, you know, with Eberflus leaving last season to take the job with you guys, we joked on our show. I don't think over the last two seasons, I've ever seen a team gutted on the coaching staff as much as the Colts were and not won a Super Bowl. <laughs> You know, you had, you had so many people leave on the offensive side of the ball the year before. So many people leave on the defensive side of the ball the year after. Um, watching from afar and kind of keeping an eye on the, on the Bears, uh, my cousin is a massive Bears fan. So I, I hear it from him a lot too. I think the interesting, uh, the interesting thing would be, and this is what we're going through right now too with our coaching search is, Getting the most, I think the biggest thing for Eberflus in Chicago, like I said, from like a thousand foot view is figuring out who he needs to put around to get the most out of your quarterback. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I'm a, uh, I'm a big fan of Justin Fields. I would have, he, the rumor was that the Colts really did like him a lot coming out of the draft, but they had given up that first round pick for Carson Wentz. So it wasn't there. They scouted him. Ballard, the rumor was Ballard very much liked him. Um, 
I think that's the biggest question is can you because I don't think obviously his rookie year I think is like not to the extent of Trevor Lawrence with Urban Meyer because that was such an epic failure <laughs> but Nagy and this is coming from afar right Nagy did not seem to 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 really like him <laughs> that much and not want right. to put him in those positions to succeed um I like what y'all did this year with him you know what Iberflus did do in regards to let him do what he does really well until he gets a handle on what else he can learn. You know, let him run around, let him use his legs. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches that don't want running quarterbacks to run. They want to stick them in the pocket and teach them to be a pocket passer, and you eliminate one of the best things they do. I mean, he is he is an epically good runner. You know, with a very good arm. I think I made a joke at the beginning of the season that I would have traded picks at the when you guys were kind of waning and he wasn't doing too great at the beginning of the season. I was like, I would trade picks for him. Derek Larger is a massive Ohio State fan. He runs Bring the Juice, and me and him are on that train. We we're like, I would trade picks. There are people out there right now who would say, Would you trade Justin Fields and and take like you know take a new quarterback? Can we go get to him? So. I think the biggest key for Eberflus is going to be finding for you guys, finding that person who can develop him and letting them just letting him just do it, man. Letting, letting the offense do their thing. But I mean, I, I, I think he did a, I think he did a, a pretty good job with you guys this year, knowing too, that you guys really tore it down to the studs in your mm-hmm. rebuild. You know, you're getting, you got rid of a lot of players, and you guys were in full rebuild, and I think he did a good job keeping that team together. Yeah, yeah, I think we agree. They, o- they always fought hard. I mean, something we never really complained about was you know the Bears' effort for the most part. And um, yeah, no, I mean, I would say for a three and fourteen team, there's probably a lot less questions about Eberflus than I thought there would be. You know, I thought everyone would kind of be on his case, but I think. It, all Bears fans kind of understand the situation. But, uh, Stephen, I mean, it's been an awesome chat with you. You know, our 30, 40 minutes with you here is, is almost up. But, um, you know, we really appreciate you having on, uh, having you on and, and coming to join Believe in Monsters for tonight. Talk about this little uh, possible trade scenario. Um, obviously, our fan base is fired up about it. And I see, you know, kind of a lot of Colts fans wanting to trade up to that first pick, too. So, like we said, hopefully they could come to something mutually beneficial would be awesome. And I think that's what both parties are kind of rooting for. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, you know, another kind of thing I guess we didn't really touch on was Poles and Eberflus also worked together in KC for a while. So just another wrench to kind of throw in there that there's a lot of common ground there between the two teams. But um, Steven, I mean, thank you so much. You can plug your podcast one more time. Um, and, and, uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate it. I mean, I was excited to get the message. It's, it's always, like I said, it's always fun and it's always, uh, I never take it lightly. It's always really cool to go on someone else's show that they think enough of your show and they think enough of you to ask you to come on to talk about your team. Uh, yeah, you can check us out. Like I said, at Stephen Burton 86 on Twitter, uh, at no horsing on Twitter. That's where we'll drop our episodes, our live streams. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll do, we've got, a, we've actually got, it's kind of funny. We got a live stream going. I think they're finishing up right now, but they got one going tonight. And yeah, man, I mean, we, I, like I said, I appreciate it. I know. And for anybody who who's looking for it too, you're, we're going to, I'll, I'll, I'm going to kind of cut it up, do my thing. And uh, 
I'm going to share you guys. I'm gonna, I'll share this episode on our YouTube page. Oh, sweet. Awesome. Th- thank you so much, man. You're, uh, you're a very stand-up dude, and you've always been great about doing that kind of stuff. So thank you. No problem, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, Steven. Definitely, Steven. Thank Take you. care. Bye. Right on, Stephen Burton. Lots to talk about. Um, so basically, we just gotta hope that Jim Ursay gets really bleeping high and says, "Chris Ballard, Chris Ballard, look, whatever it takes, I want that C.J. Stroud kid, number one pick. Take him." Will Levis is the truth. Do it That's all. the thing, man. I could. I, I was going to say, if, I see, if Ballard goes up and does a crazy move like that, man, it, it would probably be for like Levis or something something wild that nobody really fully yeah. expects. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. mean, that that is the, the – honestly, that's the mold of quarterback he's gone after recently. Oh, sure. I mean, if if you look at the Wentz's, the Phillip mm. Rivers, the Matt Ryan, they're all more Will Levis than Stroud or, or Young, so – well, and it's we'll it, and like like Stephen said, it's gonna be it's gonna be dependent on what coaching staff they bring in, right? You know, if, sure. If, if Kafka wants to go with a, a more, but you know what's funny about that intelligent quarterback, Danny Dimes is, I would say, somewhat similar to Will Levis, sneak sneaky, athletic, big quarterback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's honestly that's that's pretty funny. I mean, who knows? The possibilities are endless, though, for the Bears, which is great. Endless. Um, I like I like I told Stephen, and like I've told you guys, I, I would really just drive that competition for that pick. Oh up yeah, because you know, not just the Colts and uh, Texans, but you got the Panthers that could move up. Um, he's Raiders. probably right. We're not going to talk to the Lions. I mean, Seattle could still. I mean, Geno Smith is a free agent. Seattle could still end up you know, wanting to move up and and get a guy. So um, lots of different. There's also, I mean, you got to be careful of the wild card teams too. I mean, some teams people aren't even talking about. I mean, what if, Mm -hmm. what if the Jets just said, you know, F it, we're ready to win. We got a good team. We don't have a quarterback and they go up to one or like something like that. I mean, there's always one of those teams every year that you're like, what, what just happened? So or like, what, like Washington. Well, exactly. Well, they, they say, oh yeah, Howell's our QB one. And then they trade up the one. Like that's I mean, pretty Howell much what happened with Mike Lennon. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not, let's not do that, bro. No, how um, did look good in that last game, but I'm just saying there, there is the wild card teams too. So yeah, yeah. endless uh, possibilities for the bears. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think uh, like, I, I don't want to, over or water down this topic because you know it's january 17th and we are three full months away from the draft so we got you know playoffs still free agency coming um lots of different things to talk about the the other big news in Bearland was uh kevin warren former uh big 10 commissioner former everything NFL from agent to executive in uh, LA and uh, Detroit and Minnesota uh, signed on as the bears new vice president. Is that what it was? What's the, what's his official title? Uh, yeah, he's uh, vice president CEO, right? He's Ted Miller's title. President Pre- and no, president executive CEO. officer. Yep. So, uh, big stuff. Did you guys get a chance to watch his press conference and thank 
Bears and Notre Dame legend Chris Zorich to uh, to start us off? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just read tweets. I didn't uh I didn't get a chance to watch the presser. I was hammered today with work, but um interesting signing. Um Joe, you're a you're a big college football guy. Um, you know, Kevin Warren being in the Big Ten and being the commissioner doing a lot of big things uh for the Big Ten. What it, what are your thoughts on this hire? Well, I think it's actually a great hire. I know a lot of people in my neck of the woods have been made, have really made fun of Kevin Warren, uh, and and a lot of that is due to how he handled the COVID nineteen situation. He was pretty out in front with the Big Ten. We're going to cancel the season, and then once uh once the SEC and other conferences kind of said we're going to figure it out, the Kevin Warren jumped on board, and, and, and you know that's that's something silly to be so critical of. Uh, I, I think that he's a great businessman. I think if you look through his uh, background, that he has proven to to be experienced in a lot of different areas of football, a lot of different phases of football. Uh, and, and really, you get past the oh, you weren't going to play football, you don't really, you know, you know, like get it. Well, you get past the COVID nineteen issues if you if you want to even call it that and you look at the media deal that he was able to negotiate for the big 10 i'm pretty positive he negotiated a media deal worth upwards of two billion dollars for for the big 10 uh which is which is incredible and it it left a lot of people down here in my neck of the woods sec country wondering oh my gosh did the sec undersell our value because we didn't get near that value for 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 our television deals and so you have to give kevin warren a lot of credit there and you project ahead with the bears and you think okay this might be a guy who's going to make sure this arlington heist deal closes strong and not only closes strong but he's probably going to be on the development side of things making sure that the stadium is built state of the art and you've got the best amenities and you've got great hotels and restaurants and entertainment over in Arlington Heights. So he's probably going to have a heavy hand in, uh, organizing and, and and orchestrating this move to Arlington Heights uh and, and I'm excited about it. I think he's going to be I think he's a stand up uh, businessman and you heard you heard uh you, you heard George today uh not George you heard uh Younger McCaskey, uh, yeah, George. Uh, he heard he he basically said that Poles was still going to be uh, in charge of all the football side of things, but that that now Frank, uh, Kevin Warren is in charge of the business side, and, and so I think that's good. I think you, to keep the two silos kind of separate, I, I'm, I'm excited about the direction of the Bears. I think you're going to see this Arlington Heights deal get, get closed, and and really going to start to see some of the details over the next couple of years, and it's going to make us really excited. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the COVID thing, Joe, because um, one of the things that I really, that really drew drew me to Justin Fields was his kind of push to get football played that year in the Big Ten. Uh, I believe he went around and got like petition signed or wrote letters. And I'm curious, I'm curious if he and Kevin Warren crossed paths in the past. They did. That was, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. I know, were not. I, know, I know Warren is a huge fan um, and said so, said as much in the presser. But go ahead, Lucas, please. I was going to say they're not, they weren't huge fans of each other when that happened. <laughs> right. Um, just kind of a little bit of tension between them. But apparently, by all accounts, Warren has squashed that beef, if you will. They kind of moved past it. I mean, I think. At the end of the day, Justin probably has to understand where Kevin was coming from and 
I'm sure it wasn't Kevin Warren's sole decision, you know, sole decision probably had to make a, you know, a group decision with other people and discuss that. But there anyways, was the, the only sticking point I, I'll mention is that Kevin Warren had a son who was playing in Mississippi State. And so there was a lot of, oh, you, you, you know, you're canceling the Big Ten because you're worried about health and safety, but your son is playing in the SEC mm. and he's playing there. So there's a little bit of like, oh, how much does he really care? And so. But but uh, Luke, I think you're exactly right. I think it's just uh, Kevin Warren was CYAing at the time. He wasn't it a did. wasn't it a vote by Big Ten um, athletic directors? They, they did or? turn it over to the vote. Um, they, I, I'm pretty sure they did turn it over to a vote. But I mean, such a complicated time in our country, and a, and a lot of people trying to do the right thing. That you know, uh, I, I think it's silly to 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 hold on to. Oh, you were. You know, however you felt about the about COVID nineteen, because I think it was so just so many unknown factors and unknown uh, unknown things happening. Well, I I can tell you this much, you know, even without you know, actually you know, researching Kevin Warren to you know a high degree, just from his presser, you know, I can tell he's incredibly smart and well spoken, and he has a a very diverse background doing a variety of things. So I think he's really well connected. Um, all things which lend itself to being a good football president. I mean, we talked about this earlier. He's probably not a football guy per se. He's a businessman. He probably really likes football, but he's been around football his whole life, working for multiple organizations. Um, And I mean, I think the main sticking point for the Bears is, look what this guy did, basically being in charge of uh, taking over the business side of building U.S. Bank Stadium, which some people regard as the best stadium in the NFL currently. And Really, I mean, that is humongous for the Bears moving to Arlington Heights. I mean, they're going to have the, I think, the biggest property in the NFL to work with here. And this this is just going to be an insane project. So with him in charge, I really don't think the Bears, you know, a lot of people might consider the Bears cheap or not willing to spend money or whatever. But this project, I think, is going to go all out. And Kevin Warren, Kevin Warren is a good for that i think he's really going to get the ball rolling on this and and get the bears on an insane piece of property here 100 percent agree so you think lucas that uh you know kevin warren is intelligent and well-spoken so we're not going to have another sweaty teddy situation <laughs> on our hands where he's uh bumbling over his words and sounding like from what i can tell no we'll and, and kevin warren kevin warren did preach a lot about i mean he did say a lot like i said he's not a football guy per se but he definitely talked a lot about building a winning culture and how he how he wants this team to be a winner and wasn't just talking about the new stadium and things like that he was talking about how much he cared about this team as well so i don't know i think this is a slam dunk hire for the bears i think the connections with the big 10 is just his connections in general different organizations the big 10 i think that's massive from everything from scouting to just you know getting people in the building and the whole nine yards there so Uh, I think this is awesome. Yeah, he uh, he. Uh, I watched a, an interview with uh, Joniak, and he uh, Warren. You know, he had asked him. Joniak had asked him if you know what it means to be part of the the you know uh, signature franchise of the NFL or founding franchise of the NFL, and and Warren was was almost speechless when he when he started, and he just basically said, you know, I, I don't have words for this. Uh, so he understands the magnitude of the the history of Chicago, the history of this team. He wants to bring a winner to this team, uh, surround you know <clears throat> the players with the 
the most uh, advanced equipment. He uh, was instrumental in building um, the practice facility for the Vikings when he was there as well, not just the uh, the bank, U.S. Bank Stadium, but uh, the practice facility in, in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And that place, I, I, I got to stay at the hotel right next door to it. It's immaculate. It is super cool. Looks brand spanking new and, and like a really awesome place to show up to work. So I know he's going to surround the players with uh, good facilities and the right uh, training equipment and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Kevin Warren brings to Chicago and, and to this team and, 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 and how he assists Ryan Poles. Uh, somebody on Twitter said that they were convinced that the bears have the right executive, the right GM, the right coaching staff, that they are very much set up for success, you know, kind of heading into this, this future of of chicago so if you're not if you're not excited uh you should be a lot of great things going on in bears world um i guess one other topic we should touch on that's pretty relevant to today is ian cunningham had multiple interviews with teams for their gm opening uh he had a second interview with the titans but the titans just hired um one of the 49ers executives so it looks like cunningham is safe at least for now. I don't know, Chris, are you aware or either of you aware of how many other teams need a GM this year? Uh, the Cardinals just hired Monty in front from the Titans, and the Titans just hired the 49ers executive. Rob, Ron, Ron, Ron something. Car- Carthron? Carthron? Mm. Is there any other teams that are looking for GM currently? But Man, you know what's funny is like when Steven was going through their um, – their uh you know head coaching search i have no idea you know if our team isn't freaking um you know searching for somebody i don't know what's going on in in other teams land so i really don't have a clue um i'm looking now sorry the titans hired Rand carthron um he was a guy we actually interviewed last year for our open gm position as well so oh the card is his I believe Cunningham is free, though, for now, which is great news for the Bears. Uh, I am very looking forward to how Cunningham can kind of navigate these waters this offseason with polls. I think Cunningham will be a huge resource in helping polls retool the Bears this year. And I think he's, I mean, with all the interviews he got this year, I think he's probably more than gone next year. But uh, at least if he leaves next year, the Bears will be rewarded with two third-round picks if he's hired into a GM capacity. So. Uh, would be huge for the organization uh, from a draft pick compensation perspective, but not from an executive perspective as Ian Cunningham is, is among the best in the business currently. Yeah. I don't see, I don't see any other open. I think those, I think those were the two main ones. I think he interviewed for both though. Yeah. So, I mean, I I mean, like you mentioned it, Lucas, and it'd be great to get, you know, draft picks. Um, I think it's a, an interesting program that the NFL is running, uh, you know, to kind of ramp up uh, minority hirings, which unfortunately doesn't seem to be really generating a lot. I don't think we've seen many. Except for uh, the bears. Well, bears doing well. Yes. Yes. Um, Which is a whole nother you know, podcast on, uh, you know, how that's kind of changed over the years. But anyway, um, 
it'll be great to have Cunningham through this um, massive, massive, important offseason that uh, the Bears have ahead of them. Obviously, he and Poles did a great, do- great job stripping it down. It'll be good to have Cunningham along for the rebuild ride, at least the first season, if not more, if, you know, that works out that way. But he's clearly very good at, um, you know, evaluating talent. So, and other teams saw that as well, interviewed him, you know. So, yeah, uh, I think he's here for one more year at least. Um, so, yeah, good, good, uh, good point, Lucas, bringing that up. Other relevant news, I don't know if I have much else. Joe, do you? Chris, do you? Mm. Besides the NFL playoffs, I mean, we've seen the Giants. The Vikings are out. There's Vikings that. are such a frauds. They show Exactly. They showed exactly what we thought. They are that, who we uh, thought they were. The uh, I, to me, the most entertaining game was the the I you know in all honesty, I'll let you guys know, I'm I'm super busy with other things right now, so I didn't get to see a whole lot of uh, playoff football this weekend. But the Bengals and and uh, Ravens game was super entertaining. Um, and then yeah, Brock Purdy is a, an interesting story. That'll be that'll be the 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 off season QB market is something that we're gonna have to dive into. Uh, in future episodes, because there's there's a lot of other avenues that teams could go to acquire a quarterback, whether it's you know Derek Carr or you know uh, Lamar Jackson, um, or um, they could trade for Justin Fields, or they can no. trade for uh, Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of uh, other things available. So I don't have any other super pertinent news, but I think uh, this off season is going to be a lot of fun. It was great having Steven on. I think Good we're going to Great job. Yeah. What? Huh? We got to have some other podcasts on from other teams. I mean, it's interesting to hear what's going on in, in our world and what they're hearing. I mean, yeah, like I love- Steven said caps news to him. He said doesn't exist. So, it's uh, it, it's nice hearing it from the other side instead of just the the echo chamber that we hear every day. Hundred percent. I also like getting his perspective, in a, also a respectful perspective on you know uh, compensation and what you know he thought yeah. the 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 proposal put together by Brugler was very fair, uh, maybe even a little light for the Bears from the Bears' perspective. So um, I think. That's that's what I'm hammering home though. That that package plus I think a a player like if they could get a guy like Kenny Moore or a salary like say the Colts get rid of Leonard. I mean I think something like that will get it done. I think after tonight I'd much rather have Kenny Moore than than Michael Pittman. I think going into the into our discussion, I was on the side of rather having Pittman. Uh, so so I thought our discussion was pretty interesting. What about you, Chris? As far as Pittman versus Moore. Or just a player you would like on the Colts, or would you like an extra pick? Ooh. Like, if it came down to it, would you say, hey, give me Kenny Moore, or hey, give me Ryan Kelly, uh, a fourth round pick, or something so, like that, a third or fourth round pick, whatever? You know, that's that's a good, that's a really good question, Lucas. And you, and I've, I've made it very clear that I am, you know, I kind of align players with round value, like you've kind of done there. So, I, but I'm, I'm more on the, extra pick side because you can yeah. maneuver and, and do a lot with it um you know even if it's just a mid-round even if it's not a high pick necessarily yeah yeah i mean i don't know what like if kenny moore brings a a, a 
slot corner value. I mean, do we have do we have our slot corner already in Kyler Gordon? I don't know. You know, is is Kenny can Kenny Moore play outside? I don't know enough about Kenny Moore to really say either way. Uh, if it was Pittman, that's that's super fascinating to me. I think Steven kind of drove his value down, in my opinion. I, I mean, in my, my in like, my own personal opinion, by giving him the same skill set. Yeah, like especially yeah. I mean, it's almost like I mean, and I'm not saying the kill Harry is on Pittman's level or or even Claypool's, but like now you're talking about basically like just clones of each other running around out there. (laughs) ESB, Pittman, Claypool, different skill levels, different skill levels of each. (laughs) You got a, you got a, you got A player Pittman, B player, uh, (laughs) you know ESB and C player um, Claypool, and they all look the same. They all do the same and. Nobody's really great at it. Um, did Quentin Johnston go back to school? Did he not? No, declare? no, no. He, he, no, declared. he declared. He but, did finally. But Chris, but that's back to my point of what I've been kind of saying before is the Bears need, a, in my opinion, a smaller guy who's not a contested catch guy. That His that name's Darnell play. Mooney, friend. Well, they need another. They need another Darnell Mooney. They need a better well, Darnell Mooney. I'll put it that way. Third or fourth Darnell Mooney in the third or fourth round. That's fine. But... If Quinn Johnson's on the board, you know, he's my dude. So, well, it's like we said, I don't know where they're going to take him. I mean, if we're endless, staying, at, endless, if we're endless. staying at four, wide receivers completely off the board. I mean, I'm not taking Johnston at four over Carter or Anderson. Um, so, do you guys see a scenario where like the Bears trade down to four and somehow and Carter back. and Anderson are both gone? Yes. Not really. I don't. Well, no, 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 no. Because I think you're going to get Stroud and Young. I think you're going to get Stroud and Young in one way or another at one and two. Well, and you're well I guess to Chris's question, one is basically guaranteed to be a quarterback if they're trading up. I can't. I mean, I, there's a very slim possibility someone trades up to one for Anderson, but right. I doubt it. Well, could somebody trade up to... The question is, what do the Texans do it too? Yeah, I mean, they could like, really. Yeah. Like if the Texans, you know, if Lovey was there, I would say possibly, but at yeah, this point, no. They're taking the quarterback. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just curious, I, like thinking about different put scenarios. Percent chance, probably like three and a half. <laughs> like I mean, like let's say. So let's say Colts jump up to one. Texans, you know, they, they, well, I think they, the Cardinals, they're, they're fine with either Stroud or Levis at that two. So now that gives them flexibility to move down to like, I don't know, five or whatever. They can let somebody else jump up for a quarterback and then Cardinals aren't taking a, aren't taking a quarterback or no, well. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Cardinals probably aren't taking one. And then, it, But then they would be at the mercy of the Bears or Cardinals not trading back again. Because that's yeah. the thing. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, good point. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. It, um, it would be very unlikely, but possibly, yeah, for sure. Dig into all the different scenarios over the next few months. Like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse. <laughs> no horsing around. That's not... Uh, that's not Let's not do that again. That was Joe, sing the song, dude. Wrap us up. Damn song. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear.
Head down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight with the might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you throw the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears, and let them know why you're wearing the crown. You're the pride and joy of Illinois, Chicago Bears. Bear down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.